Welcome to the Kesset Church Podcast. We are so glad you've joined us and hope you enjoyed today's sermon. If you'd like to find out more about Kesset, you can head to kessetchurch.com or find us on Facebook. Good morning. Good morning. Let's start out by this. If you came really late today, you might need to ask your neighbor later about some uh, really fun events that happened earlier, but I'm not going to tell you about them, okay? So maybe just at the end of service, be like, what happened? And we'll tell you. Something happened, all right? So we had some fun this morning, but we are here, and uh, I am thankful. My name's Chris, one of the pastors here at Kesed, and we are actually closing out a series on Psalm 138 um, this morning. And the idea of this was we kind of stepped back and we said, okay, as we move into the Christmas season, and what we wanted to do is actually send you into the Christmas season, not just move, not just kind of let it happen, but actually send you into the Christmas season. What we wanted to do is take three weeks and just focus on eight verses, uh, a psalm of thankfulness from King David, uh, and and we're going to close that time today. And what we're going to see today is that um, you know there's a there's a desire in all of us for thanks, right? And I think we all know when it's missing. So. Uh, maybe if you're a parent and someone gives something to your kid and they don't say something, do you know what you say? You say, what do you say, right? And there's a loop that, like, it's weird if it's not closed, right? And so we desire to live in that way. And sometimes that's easier than others. I think we can be honest. Sometimes it's pretty easy to live in thankfulness. And as we're going to unpack today, there's other times in our worlds that that's, that takes some work. And uh, we want to move towards um, the journey to going from, from suffering to thankfulness. What does that look like? It's not a nonstop flight. Something has to happen in between. And so we're going to talk about that this morning. So to begin our time, I'm going to read Psalm 138, ver- eight verses. And what I want you to do is realize that one of the reasons that we chose uh, these eight verses was King David has this way of writing from a really human perspective. He writes his story into the text. And so I don't want you to see what I read as this just big lofty idea. I want you to hear it as if a person is standing on stage and, and sharing their testimony. And that we're, what we're going to unpack a little bit is like, because this was written several thousand years ago, there's, there's, there's the work that we have to do to understand this person sharing their story. Because that's what this is. King David's sharing his story. So I'm going to read um, Psalm 138 to us. I give you thanks, O Lord, with my whole heart. Before the gods, I sing your praise. I bow down before, I bow down toward your holy temple. And give thanks to your name for your steadfast love and your faithfulness. For you have exalted above all things your name and your word. On the day I called, you answered me. My strength of soul, you increased. All the kings of the earth shall give you thanks, O Lord, for they have heard the words of your mouth, and they shall sing of the ways of the Lord, for great is the glory of the Lord. And for our time today, we're going to focus on these last three verses. For though the Lord is high, he regards the lowly, but the haughty he knows from afar. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, You preserve my life. You stretch out your hand against the wrath of my enemies, and your right hand delivers me. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Your steadfast love, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the work of your hands. David begins by saying, I give you thanks, O Lord, with my whole heart. Right? 
This wholehearted thanks is something that we want to send you into in this Christmas season, but I think we can admit together it's pretty easy for my little eight-year-old to say thanks for a gift and not give wholehearted thanks. And if, it's, if my eight-year-old can do it, then, I, then we can do it as well, because let's be honest, we're just big kids, right? And so, a lot of, and so what we want to be able to move into is like when we give thanks, we do it with our whole heart. David in this psalm is kind of sharing his story, and he begins and saying, I want to live wholeheartedly. And then the next thing he says, I, that before the gods, I sing your praise. I uh, have been living in this area my entire life. I talk to a lot of you on a daily basis about life and faith, and I've never heard one of you say, before the gods, I want to sing your praise, because it's not the language that you use. So we need to do a little bit of work to unpack this. David is presenting imagery to us, right? And one of the little Bible study kind of nuggets that I'd love for you to carry into um, your life and your walk with God is this. When the Bible presents imagery, we must ask, where does this story touch my story? Right? There's different ways to read the scriptures. Right? There's a prescriptive way. So there's parts of the Bible that I read, and it's giving me clear direction on what to do and what not to do. But the majority of the Bible is actually descriptive. It's, it's a collection of stories and experiences that people had with God. And so if we go in and just read it prescriptive, we end up emulating somebody else's story and not living into our story. Our job is to look at this story and pull out the principles so that I can live my story, all right? So we need to find in this the place, all right? We need to find where does this story touch my story. David begins and he says, before the gods, I sing your praise. David wants to make it really clear from the very beginning, all right? Doesn't matter the audience, I sing your praise, God. Doesn't matter who is before me, I will worship you, I will follow you. Now, if we know anything about the story of King David, we know that was not always the case of his life, right? He goes on, and in verse 6, we see this awakening, this, this um, testimony of, Davis, of David, and he says this, For though the Lord is high, he regards the lowly, but the haughty he knows from afar. The Old Testament is written in Hebrew, and a a lot of times when we come to descriptive words, there's not a perfect English translation, and this is one of those times. So when it says, for though the Lord is high, he regards the lowly, we, we probably think someone that's in a low place, that's destitute, that's poor, um, that's sad, but that's actually not what this is saying. The word lowly in the Hebrew language has to do with the word substantive, meaning having a firm basis in reality. And the reason we know this is because David is sharing his story. Now, I, full disclosure, okay? I've never been a king, okay? I know, shock, right? If anyone in here has been king, I would love to meet you and understand what it's like. I don't know what that's like, okay? I, I do not know what it's like. But David, if we can climb into his story a little bit, it would be a unique experience for your life if every single person that you encountered was there to serve you, not to connect with you, not just to be friends with you, right? But their goal was you were the top of the pyramid of leadership and power, right? And so their goal was to make you happy. That is a different perspective. And I don't know about you, but that might get to my head, right? I may... I may Start expecting that that's what reality looks like. And if we look at the life of David, we see a person, as, as verse 6 tells us, 
that became haughty. What the word haughty means, again, not one that we use very often, arrogant or self-centered. There are seasons of David's life, especially with Bathsheba, where he looked and his world, his needs, his desires were the only things that he saw. And David from experience is now saying, like, those are the times I was far from God. Now, it doesn't mean that God was far from us. It was that he couldn't see God. He couldn't experience God. And he says, the times that I, was, that I had a firm basis in reality, right? That I was able to realize that my story is not the only story, that I'm a part of a grander story. That's the time in which I could see correctly. Right? And he's giving testimony of this, that we are to see, that there is this, this tension that we live in, that this is, this, all of you are just uh, actors in my play, right? or I'm a part of a greater play, and we all have a role to play. Now, if we were sitting one-on-one, I think each one of us could find some times in our lives that we've kind of forgot that we're not just the main character of our play, right? And what David is giving testimony is, is not only is it important for you to remember that you're not the main character, But in terms of your relationship with God and in terms of following into your purpose, it's important for you to live that way. This idea of of being, um, have a firm, um, a holding, an anchor into who you are, it's talking about identity. It's talking about not just who you are, but whose you are. I don't know if you've ever been humbled before, right? One of us, one of us been humbled, right? And the rest of you, it's coming, don't worry. <laughs> the New Testament talks about this quite a bit. Colossians says, therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. It says, as you are rooted and built up in Christ, right, and established in the faith, as you know who you are, and I, and I think there's a bit... You, there's a big difference between someone, between someone who knows who they are and someone who's trying to project that they know who they are, right? And saying, as that happens, thanksgiving naturally occurs. That I'm able to sit, take a breath. I'm not, I'm, I'm not trying to prove anything. I'm not trying to impress anyone, right? My job is just to be me inside of my story and let God use me inside of my story. This is a beautiful picture. What David is saying is important for us uh, as believers, as followers of God, to recognize that we're a part of something. I recently had a conversation with uh, a friend and, who was on staff at another wonderful church in our area, and they had just gotten back from a kind of leadership retreat in their church, and um, she couldn't wait to share about this story. And she, she said, have you heard of Pando? And I said, I don't know what that is. Says, Can you eat it? I don't, know, I don't know what Pando is. And she goes, no, no, no. It's a place in Utah. Okay. And she, she said, it's a, it's a collection of 47,000 aspen trees. Now, I love nature. I love walking through nature. There's something about God's creation that reminds me that I'm not that big. Right? The same, um, I walk through trees and feel that. Some of us stand before an ocean when we realize that we're, we're just a part of this whole thing. But she said, there's this really... Uh, amazing um, understanding that we have about this place called Panda, this 47,000 uh, aspen trees, is we've, we've come to realize that it's just one tree. That it's one root system uh, that goes throughout the soil. 
Yeah, look at that. Then the, the farther you get from it, the more it looks like one thing. But when you zoom in, it's really easy. Can we go back to the other picture? When you, when you are walking throughout uh, a set of trees, it, it looks like just a bunch of different individual spaces. And she said, this is, this, or at least it should be a picture of the church. That we are connected together and we are, we are nourished by the same soil, and that, but above the ground we are unique. But, but at our core, we are unified. At our core, we are together. At our core, we, we share things. We share nourishment with one another. I don't know if this is always the picture of the church, but this is what, um, this is what we want to move towards. All right. I, I, I know that, that when we think of Kesed as a whole in our, our faith community, this is part of the reason we gather on a Sunday morning, that it's really easy to, as we live in different homes and different areas and have different jobs and different spaces and different families and different stories, that's easy to feel disconnected. And one of the reasons it's so important to gather together is to get that reminder that you are not alone, that you're connected with a community. This is all really good stuff, right? This is all good for us to remember. We want to teach this to our kids. But there are times in life it's hard to, to know that I'm connected, right? And we have to do a little work to do so. so. So to live in this space of Thanksgiving, being rooted and be able to actually realize that I'm a blessed person takes some work. I have to do a little bit of work um, to realize that I could not have something. So... Part of the reason, uh, I guess I will give it away. When the fire alarm went off earlier, um, most of us were like, well, do we need to go, right? But there's a little bit inside of you that's like, this could be real, right? That feeling that you have. Um, here's what I want to do. We're going to watch a video, and I want you to just pay attention to how you feel, okay? Pay attention to what it does in you as you watch it. It's actually a funny video that a, another church did about being thankful at Christmas, but I just want you to pay attention to how you feel, and then we're going to have a little talk about that, okay? Let's watch this. I'm alive! I'm alive! Yeah? Yeah! Oh, yeah! Hey, Christine! You're here too! I love you! I know! Dad! What's happening? Uh, honey, the power works! It's coming, it goes on and off! Whatever we want! <laughs> We've got clean water! Oh, that's great, look at that! Ooh! I bet I know what this does! Rain down the glorious water! Ah, shoes. Oh, what do we got here, guys? Food. Mm, I love food. A beef steak? Do you not have work? This is awesome. Look, look at here. Steve, the what? John, be careful. Oh, I have a car. Did you guys see this? Yeah, you have a car. Oh, a car. <laughs> and don't forget your coffee. You're the best.
<laughs> the meaning of the video was to send a story, but also to do so in a light way, to, to tell a narrative, right? And the only way that you truly experience the narrative of this video is if you, one, stop and put on the fact that, wow, we're blessed people, right? Like, I don't know about you, but I'm like a different human being if I don't get a shower in the morning. Like, I'm not, I'm a, that's not a guy you want to hang out with as much, right? That it, something about that is just a huge blessing. I've, I've really never in my life experienced not having that blessing. And the only way that I can truly be thankful if I, is if I also put my hand on the fact that others don't have the blessings that I have, right? And this is the hard and dangerous thing about living wholehearted, right, as David wants to do, is that we have to live in that tension, right? And that's an intention, that's an in, intention that we have to willingly, as Christ followers, put ourselves into. And that's difficult to do because we want to stay in just thankfulness. And this, it's difficult to wrestle with. Um, recently, I was a part of our uh, Rooted Discipleship program. And uh, I went through with uh, a wonderful group. And part of the Rooted experience is to do a serve experience where we kind of partner with some local nonprofits. And we say, we want to send people and just help with what you're doing and so our group went to a food pantry called One Life, and we helped put together Thanksgiving baskets for those that were in need um, this Thanksgiving. And it was a really cool experience. And it was last Saturday, and we were all set to go Friday night, and uh, I have this eight-year-old that I've talked about many times from stage um, who has this really big heart. And he heard that we were going, and the plan was for him to go to Grandma's, and we were going to go do the serve experience. Um, but he heard about what we were doing, and he was set on going himself. Um, and I was like, ah, it's not really where you're supposed to take an eight-year-old during this time. But I called and, and wanted to see if he could go, and they said yes, if he just stayed with me. And so we went. And this was kind of a longer, it was like three and a half hours that we're supposed to serve there. And it's just an incredible experience of just being able to come together, put together boxes of food for all of us, hopefully had a space to, to celebrate Thanksgiving. And some of us walked into the season of Thanksgiving with um, some anxiety about how I'm going to provide just the, the elements, the turkey, the stuffing, the potatoes, and everything else. And so th this idea was that there were people in the community, we could do something about that. And so we did that. So my son helped. We put together these boxes. Our, our rooted team was amazing. The work they had done uh, that was done was amazing. And toward the end of the time, I'm sitting and kind of talking in a circle with a few of the volunteers and a few of the people that are there um, receiving their boxes and they're waiting for their boxes to be finished. We had quite a few people come. It was a really great experience. And, and I was pretty aware that, you know, most anyone that would come in that experience, they're pretty on guard at that space because it's kind of a place of shame. Let's just call it out what it is that they have to come and receive a food box. It shouldn't be, but it is. And a lot of people were nervous and they're anxious. And so we were doing everything we could just to make the process normal, right? Just this is just what we do, right? You're, um, we're putting a food box together and you're going to take, like all of us, we're going to bring groceries home for Thanksgiving. And my son runs up to me in the midst of this circle, and like only my eight-year-old, my big mouth eight-year-old can, right? He says, Dad, I'm hungry. When are we going to leave? And I kind of watch, and I look at the faces of everyone else, right? And it kind of, at first, I'm like, knock it off, right? Right? But I don't do that. I want to, right? But I don't do that. 
And I just, every once in a while in parenting, there are these opportunities, I call them launching pads, that I can send him in the trajectory, a philosophy towards life. And I just, for whatever reason, I was able to listen at this point. And I grabbed him, I pulled him aside, and I got down on one knee, because I liked it whenever we're having these talks, and he knows now, we, we look eye to eye together. And I was like, hey, buddy, are you hungry? And he's like, yeah. And I, you can tell he's just thinking about mac and cheese, or we're, we're just going somewhere, right? And I was like, how does that feel? And he kind of does this, like, I don't, he's eight year, he doesn't know how to answer, and he, so he doesn't answer. And I said, buddy, the, the reason that we're here is because others are hungry. And so we can actually leave whenever we want to and go get whatever, however much food we want to get. And that is a blessing, right? But, but some, just because of their circumstances in life, they can't do that. So here's the thing. It's okay for you to be hungry for a little bit longer because others are. It's okay, we don't have to get out of this suffering. You can sit in it a little while because we're going to help others alleviate that suffering. This is the tension that we as Christ followers are to live in, right? That is a really crazy thing when you think about it that we willingly walk into suffering on each other's behalf, right? But then that is the model that we have been given. That is the rhythm that we've been given by Christ himself, that he came. We were going to celebrate a Christmas season coming up because God came near. Because he walked into our mess and into our brokenness and into our suffering. He said, I, I'm taking on your suffering on my behalf. And that's what love does. Right? And so... For us, as we're looking at this season, I was kind of praying about this talk and just these experiences, and God gave me a picture of this last week that I want to share a little bit with you about. This last Sunday, uh, I was moving around really quickly. If you haven't noticed, our church has grown quite a bit. I don't know if you've noticed that or not, right? Um, and it's a really good blessing, but oftentimes as staff in the church, we're moving pretty quickly. And one of the tensions I feel all the time is I want to sit and I want to talk to everyone. I want to pray with everyone. I want to, but I'm moving from place to place and, um, I do, I'm trying the best I can to be present in that space. And I was walking out the doors and I can't even remember what I was going so fast that needed to be done. And this wonderful couple kind of stood in front of me and very graciously said, hi. And I was like, Hi. And the way I said it was like this. I'm in a hurry. You know what I'm talking about? Like, hi. Like, like, just in those two letters, I was like, I don't have time, right? But something in her eyes were like, like, God was like, you, no, you have time, right? I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. Sometimes there's just a look. And she, she said, hi, are you busy? Do you have a second? And I was like, no. And I was like, wait, I'm, no to being busy, <laughs> yes to having a second. And she begins and... And she has this look on her face that's full of, um, honestly, wholeheartedness. And she begins to tell the story as a person who um, does missionary work in Haiti. And she tells me the story of a woman named Magdala. And so instead of me telling the story, I'm actually going to have my friend Heather, who stopped me in the corner over here, and she's going to come tell this story um, a little bit that I think is going to bless us this morning. So can you help uh, invite Heather to stage, please? So, again, this happened right over here this last week, and uh, Heather began to s 
to share a story with me that um, God very much disciplined me in that I need, my whole heart was needed to hear it, that it wasn't, I needed to move along if I wasn't willing to give that at the time. And so um, I wanted her to be able to share that a little bit with you. Um, I wanted to start by thanking Chris for taking that moment out of his busyness because the initial high did feel very rushed and I was like, uh oh. And then he, he definitely changed. Something in him changed and um, he took a deep breath and he really gave me his full attention and he's followed through this whole week and um, he had told me before that this was really gonna fit into what he had to talk about today uh, but then this morning, I got to hear the whole message, and I was like, wow, it really does um, fit perfect. So uh, part of this is about, uh, well, all of this really centers around Magdala. But in order to talk about Magdala, he wanted me to tell you a little about my story to show you how much that she means to me. So... Um, at around age six, I had gone forward in my church. Uh, I actually grew up in Virginia, Southern Baptist, and uh, committed my life to mission work. Um, six years old, I don't think you really grasp what that means, and I'm honestly just now learning what that means in my life at 44. <laughs> so um, uh, one thing that really hit me recently in that was, I, I don't know if you've ever heard this song by Matthew West, that uh, do something. Um, and if you've ever really noticed the words, uh, people living in poverty, children sold into slavery, the thought disgusted me. So I shook my fist at heaven and I said, God, why don't you do something? And he said, I did, I created you. And that hit me hard. Um, it challenged me not just to pray, which you always feel that that you want to pray for somebody, and I think that's so powerful, but um, to lean in and to really uh, interact with people compassionately. And um, another quote that uh, along that same line where, because I talked to God all day long, and um, he gently led me to rethink how I, how I talk to him, how I pray. Um, and I used to believe that prayer changes things, but now I know that prayer changes us and we change things. And Mother Teresa said that, <laughs> which I just figured that out last night. But, um, I began to dig deeper uh, in the things that I was doing, which is really overwhelming when you're doing mission work, to really look into people's eyes and into their pain and their lives and try to feel that suffering with them. Um, in a meaningful way. So like Chris, Chris was talking about this morning, when you read your Bible, not just, okay, I read my verse, I did my devotions, and okay, yeah, check that box, I, uh, I prayed today. But just to let those verses and that, that time with God to really transform you and to study and hear his voice speaking to you, um, it really helped me to lean in and be more vulnerable. Uh, so. Along that line, one Sunday, 2016, sitting in church, uh, not this church, it was a, another church here in Vancouver, um, Strong Harvest International uh, took the stage to explain their vision and to invite volunteers 
to come with them on a Haiti trip that was coming up. Um, I connected deeply with their mission and their delivery. Uh, they meet people's tangible nutritional needs by empowering them with knowledge and um, they weave the gospel naturally into this message, which the moringa tree is, is really a miracle, and it, it is a gift from God. It's part of nature. Um, also, they said Haiti, which just screamed at my heart because God had been calling me and talking to me about this for a long time, and now here it was. This was my door, my opportunity. So, of course, I signed up, and I went. Um, I fell head over heels with the people there, and their passion and their culture. Um, friendships and connections are still being made through this trip. And a lot of the things that we did on that trip, it really prepared me for just the format of, of doing more things in the future. Um, I made the next trip with Strong Harvest International that following year to Haiti as well. And then I've been twice to Haiti on my own uh, to begin groundwork for my own nonprofit. Um, it's called May Na May Outreach. It's hand-in-hand uh, hand is what it means in Haitian Creole. Um, and it embodies partnership. And what we do is go in and we find the unknown artists and help them become known to, uh, to promote their artwork so they can have a sustainable living and also to work with the children there to inspire them artistically to do arts and crafts with them, things that they're not normally, they don't normally have those supplies and those things to do. Um, and then uh, just to bridge communication through the tang tangible and universal language of art in any way that I can. Um, God shows me new ways all the time. Um, through Strong Harvest International trainings, I met a pastor there, uh, Pastor Fritzner, um, and I got to know his family and his church, and they have been huge in my life. Um, and uh, we share our joys and our challenges almost daily. Uh, we, uh, their spiritual guidance has really been essential in um, aligning my life with God's purpose for me. Um, now, I've said all of this to help you understand uh, my connection to Magdala and how much she means to my life. Um, she is one of the ladies in Pastor Fritzner's church. She also works for his, uh, he has a, an organization for Haitian Christian moms in his community, uh, single moms, that he helps. Um, they work at, with Moringa and um, earn a living to support their children. Um, recently, uh, Magdala had a stroke and um, half of her body is paralyzed and she's in a lot of pain and uh, she is really struggling right now. Um, she has six children and um, it's already a struggle to survive in, in Haiti. Things are just a little bit harder. Um, and one of the things that really spoke to me, uh, the video that Chris showed the running water, they don't have running water. The electricity, they don't have electricity. Some, I mean, hotels do, some houses do, but most don't, she doesn't. Um, there's no refrigeration, there's uh, no microwaves, obviously. Um, scrubbing and cleaning, uh, washing clothes in buckets with rainwater. Um, 
it's just harder. And when you can't even move half of your body, it's, it's a struggle. So um, this, this really hit me because these are already hard and now how is she gonna manage this? Uh, she has some significant support from her church and her aunts and uncles that are helping her make ends meet. Um, actually, just this week, uh, a bunch of them got together and went and cleaned her house for her, which was awesome. Uh, I got pictures of that. And then um, the medical care is really insufficient and troubled there. Some of the hospitals are really kind of scary. Um, but uh, God has made some amazing connections, actually, through my last trip and through some other people there. A uh, nurse practitioner connected us with a really good hospital that has specialists. So now she's gotten, after a couple of weeks, she's gotten uh, proper medication. Um, she's seeing a specialist twice a week, um, which is a huge blessing. It also offers some new challenges because the uh, transportation there is really tricky. Um, but a friend of mine, John Michael, is, uh, he's dedicating his resources and his own time and taking her, and it has been such a huge blessing, a huge answer to prayer. Um, you're probably thinking, wow, this is an interesting story, but what does this have to do with me? Um, so I'm just asking, of course, uh, for Magdala to, to keep her in your prayers for healing, um, but to also, I just thought it would be a really beautiful idea as a church family uh, they're also my church family, you're my church family, uh, to put together some encouragement. Um, if you like to make cards, if you want to draw pictures or your kids draw pictures, and just overwhelm her and flood her. She's feeling really lost and hopeless right now, but she's got such strong faith and joy normally. I just want to restore that by supporting her. People all the way across the world that same the serve the same amazing God that she serves and to show her that kind of support. Um, she could wallpaper her walls with this encouragement and see it every day. I just think that would be so cool. Yeah, so she shared this with me last week and she said, one, I'd like to pray, excuse me, um, for her. And then two, I'd like to do this really creative work, right? And I just thought that was incredible. And one, because Guys, if you read my handwriting, you wouldn't be able to read it. I don't make pretty things, right? I don't. And many of us in the room are like, I don't know how to do this. But here's the thing. As we're sharing this story, when, when she talks about we wanted to create some cards or some sort of beautiful thing to send to her, you're like, that's, I, I do that. Like, that's what I do. I do that naturally. I do that um, just messing around or whatever. That's what I do. And so part of the reason we wanted to highlight this story is, is that some of you in this room, all right, are meant to help with this. Some of you in this room, when we talked about meeting that tangible need of encouragement through uh, a person who speaks a different language than us, through art, through a picture, through some sort of practical need, you're like, I can help with this. But I want to be able to calm us in the room to say, not everyone is supposed to be sent to that. But everyone is sent somewhere. Right? Our job as Christ followers is to look for suffering and to meet it. Right? First of all, within ourselves, to be willing and and able to raise our hands when we are truly in suffering. And to say, I need some help, I need some encouragement myself, and then two, to look for it, to, to lean into it, to find a space that we can help and we can 
transform not just our individual selves, not just our individual community, but our world. Because this is how it happens, uh, hand in hand. This is how that works. And so at the end of our time, at the end of the service, if you are one of the people that kind of feel called to this, um, then Heather is going to be on the side over here with some information. You'll be able to, to sign up to be a part of this. Again, not everyone's called for that, and that's completely okay. But here's what we're going to do. We're about to move into a time of communion, and these guys are going to pass communion out. And during that time, I, I guess my question for you is, where do you see suffering, and what can you do about it? Oftentimes, as a church like this grows a lot bigger, um, it becomes easier and easier to wait for a, a really clear prompting, and, and you can just sign up and show up for a little bit. But, but I want to remind you that we are connected together, and there is a yes, there is a ministry of Casa Church, but there is a ministry of you that you're sent to. And as we send you into this Christmas season, that your eyes are open to the needs of others around you, and you, you would be willing. Right, grounded in the fact that your identity is secure in Christ, that you've, I say this as often as I can, do you, I don't know if you realize this, and I pray that you do, that you have, there's never been a second that you're more loved than you are today. And as we, with that understanding, with that grounding, we move into this world to alleviate, not just alleviate suffering, friends, but to transform it. So we have an opportunity through this, and then beyond that, your job during this communion time is to go, Lord, where is the suffering that I see? And what could I do to move towards that? So I'm going to pray for us as these guys pass. Communion. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this time. I thank you for these people. We embrace suffering because we know that your story doesn't end there. Our story doesn't end there. That communion itself is suffering transformed. And so we pray that you, you give us courage to stand in the tension between thanksgiving and suffering. And you invite us along the journey that you already went on. So Father, we thank you for this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As these guys pass, go ahead and hold on to it and I'll come up and pray for us to take it together.